0: and my brother Dr. Steven Ned for this week's body chat about a better way to lose weight and keep it off. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven that is a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. All right, this week we're going to go into a topic that is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, or waists, or thighs, and that has to do with weight loss and doing it the proper way. Uh, It's a topic that's of immense interest to a lot of people. And so especially this month, which is January, which is after the holidays, it's known by health clubs and organizations that deal with diets as the big month of the year because one, people have overeaten from the holidays and they've put on weight and two, people make their New Year's resolutions. And so in January, everybody's deciding they should exercise and diet. Problem is, is there's a lot of bad information out there, and so what we're going to try and do in this episode is give people as much good information about dieting and the proper way of eating to be able to lose weight and keep weight off in a healthy way. So now, what are the top five causes of obesity or excessive
1: weight gain that you've seen in your practice? Well, first and foremost, the most overwhelming reason is the SAD diet, the standard American diet, mm-hmm. which is primarily composed of unhealthy fats, refined sugars, and processed and GMO foods. There was a 2010 report by the National Cancer Institute on the status of the American diet, and they found that 75% of Americans don't even eat a single piece of fruit daily. Wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, don't reach the minimum requirement daily for the intake of vegetables. And by the way, the USDA recommends nine servings of fruits and vegetables daily. Okay. I'd say number two would be stress and not just stress, but your body's inadequate response to stress. So for example, when you're under chronic stress, your adrenal glands, which are your stress glands, produce more of a hormone called cortisol. Mm Mm-hmm and cortisol leads to your reduced ability to burn fat. So stress is another factor as far as if you're handling it well, as far as your body's concerned.
0: Okay. Now this may come up as a separate reason, or it may just fall under this category, but what about getting adequate sleep? Because I know when people are under a lot of stress and they're producing excessive cortisol, a lot of cases they don't get adequate sleep. I agree. And
1: that's, one of the five reasons I was going to give you. So we'll go into that next. (laughs) Okay. Not only is the amount of sleep important and most experts recommend at least eight hours, but the quality of sleep is also important because most fat burning actually occurs while you're in deep sleep or REM sleep. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. So let's get back to the other two. Okay. (laughs) Another one is not enough or improper exercise. And the stats on that are 80% of Americans don't get the recommended amount of exercise for a healthy body. Only 56% exercise regularly. So if we put those two stats together, it means that less than 40% of the people who actually exercise on a regular basis get the recommended amount. Okay. And I can go into that a little bit as far as the two types of exercises that actually help you burn fat. Mm -hmm. First of which is aerobic exercise, which is low intensity and longer duration. Technically, you need to do it for at least 20 minutes. But if you want to actually burn fat from doing aerobic exercise, you need to do it more than 30 minutes sustained because the first 30 minutes, you're actually going to burn either stored or available blood sugar. And then after that, once you use that up, you actually start burning your own stored fat. Okay. And so that would include brisk walking, treadmill, biking, light jogging, and light swimming. Makes sense. Yeah. The other is anaerobic exercise, which is higher intensity, shorter duration, interval training, where you burn fat by stimulating your fat burning hormones. And this is a delayed response. It actually takes 14 to 48 hours for them to be triggered. Mm -hmm. And so that would include running, fast jogging, fast treadmill, soccer, basketball, and especially weight training. Okay. Okay. And then the final one is aging. Male and female hormones tend to decrease starting at age 40. And so a lot of people will notice, you know, I'm not eating any different than I did before and I'm exercising the same, but why am I gaining weight? Well, in men in particular, after age 40, they produce less free testosterone, which is important for your metabolism and for energy and also keeping fat off the belly. In women they tend to develop an imbalance between the hormones, estrogen, and progesterone. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that they get hormones tested and looked at and try to keep it in balance, especially the ratio between estrogen and progesterone. If it gets to be too high estrogen to progesterone, it can actually lead to more serious diseases. A lot of times when women get past a certain
0: age and they're having difficulties with hormones, it's suggested that they take estrogen or progesterone or things like that. From what I understand, that isn't necessarily a smart approach because of some of the effects that it can have by
1: taking those hormones. I agree. Well, for example, bioidentical hormones are okay in most cases, but for the longest time, women were recommended Premarin, which Mm -hmm. stands for pregnant mare's urine. It was horse pee, basically. Mm. And half of the hormones were equine hormones. And you can imagine the side effects that they were producing on women.
0: Yeah. But we're also women getting cancer and various different things like that from time. Absolutely. 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 That's something to to check into, and there are also, from what I understand, precursors for certain hormones that are a lot safer to take because then they just give your body building blocks so it can rebuild those hormones or do something
1: along those lines, and it's a lot safer. That's correct. One example is Mexican wild yam, which is used to help boost progesterone levels. Right. So if somebody's having difficulty
0: like that, it would be smart for them to see you to get checked out to find out what specifically their problem is because the hormonal imbalance can be caused by a lot of different things. Correct. Okay, good. So would you do us a favor and just list off real quickly the five points or the five main causes that you listed as far as reasons for obesity or, or excessive weight gain? Yeah. First
1: is the standard American diet or the SAD diet. Mm-hmm. Second is stress. Stress third is not enough or improper exercise, fourth one is sleep, and the fifth one is aging. Okay,
0: good. So the first four, I see that you can do something about. The fifth one, mm, we haven't quite reversed the aging process yet, but there are things that people can do nutritionally to help slow the process down or in some cases stop the processes from continuing like A resveratrol, I believe, is a supplement that's supposed to help with that. And there are other things, I believe, that hormonally, like the precursors we were talking about, that might help.
1: That's right. Even stem cell injections can help that too. Excellent. Yeah.
0: All right. Now, years ago, one of the fads was low-fat foods. I remember even looking into that myself at one point in time, and you could go to the grocery store, and there was just shelves and shelves in the frozen food section of, low fat prepared meals for the microwave and so on. And there's still some frozen meals that are labeled as low fat. Why is a low
1: fat diet not necessarily a good idea? Well, it's not a good idea for many reasons. First of all, fat is actually a building block of many essential nutrients that we need for normal function and good health in the body. There's four vitamins that are derived from fat, vitamins A, D, E, and K. And they're needed for your immune system, for proper vision, for heart health, and for clotting. In addition to that, essential fatty acids, especially omega-3s are really good anti-inflammatories and they're important for brain health. You know, your brain's mainly made out of fat, by the way. Okay. It's important for skin health as well as your cardiovascular system. And then there's cholesterol. Cholesterol has gotten a really bad rap by the medical profession for many years, but the coli part of cholesterol is used to make bile and mm. bile is needed to help you break down dietary fat. The sterile part of cholesterol is used to make steroid hormones that your adrenals and reproductive glands produce. And those are important for handling stress. their sex hormones and many other purposes. And also cholesterol is a very important component of the cell membranes that surround your cells and protect them.
0: Okay, so in other words, by doing a low-fat diet, you're not providing your body with certain essential things that are needed as building blocks.
1: That's right. Yeah, and not only is that an important component of your brain, which again is mostly fat, But it's also important to protect your nerves. They have a surrounding area, kind of like a wire has like the coating around it. It's called the myelin sheath. And it protects your nerves so that they can conduct electrical impulses properly. And so getting enough good fat in the diet makes sure that your nerves are healthy too. And one other thing that's important is that fat is a very important uh, nutrient for energy. It's, in fact, two and a half times more efficient than carbohydrates and protein. And one neat thing about it is it actually satisfies your hunger. It acts as a natural appetite suppressant. A lot of times people get finished eating a meal and they're like, God, I'm still hungry. You know, They ate like rice and vegetables or something. Like, God, I'm still hungry. Well, there was no fat in it. And the other interesting thing, it's a backup fuel when you run out of blood sugar and so it protects against starvation. So. I mean, that's how animals hibernate. They don't eat for months, but they live off of the fat of their body. And so the same thing happens in people. If they go on a long fast or they're stranded somewhere, then once they run out of available blood sugar, then they can actually survive on their own stored fat.
0: Yes. And that was something that I understood from something I either heard or read recently, which is that when somebody is trying to lose weight, having an adequate amount of fat in your meals, good fats things like eggs and grass-fed butter Mm -hmm. and avocados and certain seeds and nuts and things like that, having enough good fats in your diet help keep you from getting hungry as quickly and eating as much and snacking as much, which is what you were talking about there. So that's one aspect of it. And there was one other thing regarding the low-fat diets and low-fat diet foods. I remember reading somewhere that what the companies who produced these did was they reduced the level of fat, but what they did is they added in more sugar.
1: Yeah, and I also wanted to add that there are no legitimate unaltered medical studies that show that eating fat raises cholesterol or increases heart problems or clogs your arteries. You said something
0: about unaltered studies? Yes. What does that mean?
1: Well, sometimes these medical studies, there are... Let's just say if it's done by a drug company, they're looking for a certain outcome. And unfortunately, they omit certain key pieces of data, which would make it an unfavorable result. Okay. I remember there was a study on vitamin E on Finnish men smoking, and it showed that it made them have higher rates of cancer, but they used a really poor form of vitamin E. And there were other factors that they left out. So it made it look really unfavorable. And doctors were looking at this and saying, oh, no, we're not going to recommend vitamin E anymore. See?
0: Okay. So in other words, they gamed the system with their research study to get results that come out the way they want them to. That's right. So an unaltered study would be one where it was just done using the standard research study protocols, and it wasn't being done in a way to get a certain result or leaving certain information out or altering the process or anything like that. Correct. Okay. Very good. And was there anything more you had wanted to say on the low-fat diet? No, I think that covers everything. Okay, good. Now, are there any diets that work for everyone?
1: Well, to be honest, no, for many reasons. Okay. The number one issue I find is compliance. It's the hardest thing that I experience as a practitioner is getting patients to follow through on recommendations. And on top of that, it's difficult enough to do everything that's recommended, but even if they do so, so many people are focused on the scale when the diet may actually be working, especially in the beginning. And they may not see much weight loss and they end up quitting because it doesn't appear to be working, but it might be because they're also exercising and building muscle while losing fat and muscle happens to weigh more than fat. Okay. Other factors are that there are things that can reduce diet effectiveness. And we've covered most of these already. And that is not enough restful sleep, stress, hormone imbalances, not enough effective exercise. But you have to look at a person's individual genetics. And as far as their genetic background, their ancestors, native country or countries, their diets may be very much different from the country they're living in now. So somebody, let's say, came from Asia and is now living in the United States, and they were eating mostly fish and lean meat and rice and vegetables, and now they're eating pizza, popcorn, hamburgers, and so forth. It's not going to be real good for their bodies. Well, it's probably not good for anybody's bodies, mm-hmm. you know, that type of diet, the sad diet. But that's another thing to look at. And also individual hidden allergies and food sensitivities. You know, this could be the person who says, man, I eat healthy, eat organic, but they're not aware that they're actually eating foods that react badly with their immune system, causing inflammation and various body conditions. And there are ways of testing for for these things. Very interesting. I mean, there's
0: going to be diets that are going to work for a large percentage of people, but it's not going to work for everybody because each individual may have their own certain circumstances for their particular body that wouldn't allow that diet to work, whether it's the not getting enough sleep or too much stress, or like you said, specific food allergies. So they're eating healthy foods or what are supposedly healthy foods that don't react well with their body. I wish I was allergic to celery. I think (laughs) celery is a useless food unless it has peanut butter or cream cheese on it. Okay. So now the next question I want to get into is, uh, having to do with when somebody's dieting and how important it is to lose fat and make sure that at the same time they're not losing muscle because if somebody goes on an extreme diet they may start dropping pounds but the pounds they might be dropping might have to do with loss of muscle mass right yes okay
1: this one is really critical, and it's the true test if a diet is producing healthy or unhealthy weight loss. Now, we've talked about compliance and quitting because people use the scale only, but they also need to use a tape measure mm-hmm. and look at how their clothes are fitting now. And if possible, measure body fat percentage changes. So along that line, about 10 years ago, I was trained on testing people's body fat percentage, water percentage, lean body mass percentage. And during that process, I reviewed a study from the University of Oregon, which occurred in 1998, that compared two different diet programs, specifically comparing weight loss or gain according to body compartments of fat, water, muscle, and of course, total weight loss. Now, one included one of the most popular meal replacement drinks, and the other included a nutritional supplement shake. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is on the surface – The meal replacement drink diet seemed more successful because participants on it lost 13 pounds total average over 10 weeks, whereas the nutritional supplement shake diet, they only lost 11 pounds total. So what was the first one? How many pounds did they lose? 13 versus 11. Okay. So here's the thing. A body composition analysis was performed showing the type of weight loss, the weight that was lost or gained. Now, what's a body composition analysis? There's various ways of testing. Some people stand on like a scale or some people squeeze this little metal thing, or they can use something more precise where they put little pads on your ankle and wrist and then they get a computerized readout of your exact body fat percentage, how much lean muscle mass you have or lean body mass, how much water is in the body and so on and so forth.
0: Okay. So it's basically saying how much fat, water and lean muscle... That the person has and being able to compare it from one point in time to another that's
1: right okay so here's how this study went and this is fascinating first of all fat loss the meal replacement drink the average person lost one pound over 10 weeks
0: so that was out of 13 pounds they lost it was one pound
1: of fat that's right okay on the nutritional supplement shake diet they lost 10 pounds which is one pound a week which is outstanding So out of the 11 pounds, they lost 10 pounds of that was fat. Yeah. Okay. As far as water loss, um, the people on the meal replacement drink diet lost another pound from that. All right. So that's two of the 13 pounds now that have
0: come out one fat and one water. Right. And on the nutritional supplement shake, they lost another five pounds. I'm confused now because that one they lost 11 pounds, and they lost 10 pounds of fat and five pounds of water. How does that happen? Because they gained four pounds of muscle. Oh, were they exercising
1: at the same time? Just light exercise. Okay. And you have to understand that muscle is made out of primarily water and protein. Mm-hmm. So if they were getting adequate amounts of protein and water, then they could actually be building muscle at the same time. Okay. Okay. So now this kind of doesn't add up on the meal replacement drink. They've only lost two pounds so far and they lost 13 pounds total. So here's the shocker, right? The average person on the meal replacement drink diet lost 11 pounds of muscle over 10 weeks. Wow. Yeah. So the meal replacement drink was so nutritionally bankrupt and toxic that people were using it basically had to cannibalize their body tissues to process it, which led to their weight loss of healthy muscle tissue.
0: All right. So where are the congressional investigations
1: and class
0: action lawsuits about that? Let me guess. It never got reported. No. Okay.
1: No. And see, I I researched and I looked at what was actually in the meal replacement drink. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason it was loaded with various forms of sugar, including the two worst, which are fructose and corn syrup. Hmm. It also includes artificial flavors. Mm Mm-hmm unhealthy fats, including hydrogenated soybean oil and canola oil, Hmm. artificial flavor, Mm -hmm. and other unhealthy chemicals. So in other words, a bunch of crap. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And it probably had protein in it that was undigestible protein. Not the healthiest for sure. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Now this is something I hope that you're gonna be going over with all your patients this next month too.
1: Yeah, I always stress, always read the labels and really learn what all these ingredients are, because there's all kinds of promotion out there. And look, I lost all this weight and all that weight. And you have to say, well, how did you do it? I mean, did you do it at the expense of your health or did you actually build muscle and lose fat? And what are those ingredients?
0: All right. So I have a question for you. Since you're not naming the name of the diet drink, which I understand, If somebody is looking into something and they think, oh, no, 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 this one is so different than any of the other ones. This one's really healthy. I have a friend who did this and they look just great and they're feeling just fine. Where can somebody get information? Is it possible for them to find out the information like you did about what type of weight loss is occurring? Is there something
1: that they can go research on that? You know what would be a really good starting point for most people, and that is Joseph Mercola's website. He really digs in and he he has no fear as far as getting shut down, as far as digging into the artificial sweeteners, the unhealthy sugars and alternatives and other things like that. So that's where I would start. Okay. All right. Very good. So now... That's a key point when it comes
0: to diet, is making sure that you're not going to be robbing your body of protein from muscle and other areas because the fact is that you're not getting enough adequate protein. But isn't it all just about calories? Isn't it just, well, you burn so many calories and you take in so many calories, and no matter what, it's always going to come down to that math?
1: Is that correct or not? No, not all calories are created equal. Okay. Now, certain calories affect your weight differently. Protein by weight is identical to carbohydrates, as we talked about earlier. But protein, primarily in moderate amounts, stabilizes your blood sugar and builds muscle. And also, the more muscle you have, the better you're able to burn fat. Whereas most fruits, which are carbohydrates, increase insulin levels and blood sugar levels. They block your fat-burning hormones. Mm -hmm. And so... That's not a good idea. I mean, the best fruits are actually berries, lemons, and limes. Why? Because they're lowest in sugar and they're high in nutrients, including vitamins like vitamin C and antioxidants. So those, okay. are, those are the ones that you want to focus on. Okay. Here's another really, really key point, and that is the low-calorie or zero-calorie soft drinks. Mm-hmm. They primarily use artificial sweeteners like aspartame, which is NutraSweet. Mm-hmm. Or sucralose, which is Splenda. Mm-hmm. And again, I recommend checking out Dr. Mercola's website, and it's at mercola.com mm-hmm. on his articles on artificial sweeteners. He actually cites published medical studies that show how dangerous and toxic these are and that they can actually cause the very things that people are using them to avoid, namely weight gain and diabetes. Wow. Yeah. And so I just wanted to point out the best alternatives to sugar and artificial sweeteners are stevia. Mm-hmm. Lohan, which comes from the Chinese Lohan fruit. It's very similar to Stevia.
0: (laughs) No no relation to Lindsay Lohan.
1: No. Okay. And xylitol. Hmm. But I have to warn everybody that if you have dogs, it's very toxic to dogs. So I have dogs and I just make sure if I have anything with xylitol in it, like uh, gum or whatever, I'm extra careful with it.
0: Okay, good to know. Yeah. Now, what are the top three diets you've seen in respect to results and the
1: proper balance? Well, the top three diets I found are all workable from easiest to toughest to do, and they are the anti-inflammatory diet, Mm -hmm. Dr. Eric Berg's seven principles of fat burning, Mm -hmm. and the ATG gym diet. That's the gym I go to in Clearwater, Florida.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, what about the HCG diet? Well, that's something that I used to recommend years ago. And then the FDA shut down the ability to get it in a homeopathic preparation in the United States. It can be produced outside the United States. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of got away from that, but we did see good results. And, okay. and it can, you, know, you can lose up to 30 pounds on it. It was actually quite effective.
0: All right. So that is an effective diet. Uh, it's just not something you're doing since the homeopathic method isn't used on that anymore. Yes. Okay, good. So you mentioned the top three diets that you've seen as far as results and proper balance. Tell us about the first one and a brief overview of
1: how it works and what you do on the diet. All right. Well, the first one is the anti-inflammatory diet from Anabolic Labs, which is a supplement company that I use. Mm -hmm. It's an easy gradient for anyone to follow. And you focus on eliminating foods that promote inflammation And inflammation not only promotes obesity, but other unhealthy conditions, including the two leading causes of death, which are heart disease and cancer. Hmm. And one of the things I like is that people learn one of the biggest causes of inflammation is grains, especially wheat. And this is fascinating because authorities, including the Obesity Society, their first recommendation is to eat a diet with whole grains. And the (laughs) (laughs) the most common being whole grain food, which is wheat bread. Hmm. And if you look really at what is contained in wheat bread or what isn't contained in wheat bread, there are no vitamins A, C, or D. There's only one milligram of vitamin E, which is less than two international units. And if you were to buy vitamin E in the health food store, most of the time it comes in 400 international units per pill. So two international units is minuscule. Mm-hmm. It contains less than 9% of the daily needs for vitamin B and no B12. Mm -hmm. It's an incomplete protein, meaning that it doesn't contain all the essential amino acids that you need in a protein. Now you're talking about the wheat. Yes. Okay. Wheat has lots of starch Mm -hmm. and it's very high on the glycemic index, meaning that it turns into sugar quickly, making you secrete insulin quickly, which guess what? Makes you fat. Okay, And there's other issues with grain, including that it contains phytic acid, which lowers your ability to absorb calcium, magnesium, iron, and zinc. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grain causes your body pH to be more acidic, which promotes inflammation. Mm -hmm. And it contains large amounts of omega-6 oils, which are pro-inflammatory Versus the ones we talked about earlier, the omega 3s, which are anti inflammatory. And you can actually get omega 3s primarily from fish oil and green vegetables. Okay. So not only do you get a really easy approach uh, as far as cutting out uh, certain foods you're not supposed to eat, but you get a nice education on this. And it's good for the novice, really, who's just getting started. Okay. So
0: what is it that a person does on this diet? I mean, you said that they eliminate certain things like wheat or bread or whatever, is that basically all that they do on the diet?
1: What they do is they learn what foods are pro-inflammatory, meaning that cause inflammation, and try to cut down on those significantly. And then you learn what foods are anti-inflammatory, and you focus more on those. And then they even give you some meal recommendations for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks.
0: Okay, so this is one diet that a person can use How do you know whether this would be the one that would be best for a person?
1: Well, again, this one's a good starting point for anyone who is new to dieting Mm -hmm. or is transitioning from the standard American diet to just eating healthy. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm just trying to lose some weight.
0: All right. Good. So now tell us about the second one.
1: All right. The second one is Dr. Eric Berg's seven principles of fat burning. And it's a tailor made eating and exercise plan based on your body type of which there are four. And when you read the book, you find out which one you are by doing a simple quiz. Right. And then from that point, you learn how to kick in your fat burning hormones to lose weight and not muscle, which we just discussed. Mm -hmm. That's really important. And the approaches are designed not only to lose weight, but to become healthier and actually keep your weight off. And so this approach requires more effort than the anti-inflammatory diet because it's a little stricter and you have some studying to do, but it's well worth the extra effort. And what I really like about Dr. Berg is that he explains things in simple terms and also has some great videos on YouTube to give you further insight.
0: Yeah, he's done quite a bit of research and it is interesting because I know when you were talking about exercise before, as far as being a key component for weight loss in his research, he found that depending on the type of body that you have, you should or shouldn't be doing certain types of exercise, like certain body types should be doing heavy anaerobic weightlifting type exercises to lose weight. Whereas with other body types, if they do that, it's going to have the reverse type of effect. Yeah. So now what is the third
1: diet that you mentioned? Well, that's the ATG gym diet. It's stricter and it's suited more for the serious and elite athlete. And it includes an initial phase to get you lean that's pretty strict since it eliminates all carbohydrates except for green vegetables along with onions, mushrooms, peppers, and cauliflower. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Animal proteins are included uh, along with seasoning like lemon and lime, Mm -hmm. as well as various smart fats like fish oil, avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, and butter, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's it. (laughs) There's also a muscle gain protocol as well as an emergency fat loss protocol, and then when you get to the maintenance phase, you're allowed one cheat meal per week, which is like most diets, Mm -hmm. and you can add back in nuts, berries, carrots, and tomatoes, So, again, this one is really for somebody who's super serious about competing athletically. They cater to very elite athletes. A lot of them are actually trying to get professional contracts. And the reason I get to go there is because I take care of all the trainers.
0: That's good. I like that. Now, I am going to say something about this diet. I'm going to slightly disagree with you on it. Okay. Because you said it's for elite athletes and so on. Well, you said, you gave me a copy of this when I was out there in August, and I've looked over it, and I've had not horrible weight problems, but I usually put on weight over the year if I'm not eating properly and indulging and ended up doing an HCG diet on almost on an annual basis to try and get back down to start the year before I start gradually going up through the rest of the year and hit the holidays and then do another diet and so on and so forth. So this year, one of the things that happened is you gave me the information on the ATG diet and there was a period of time where I think I had a lot of meetings and dinners and stuff like that where I wasn't eating quite the same that I normally do and I was putting some weight on. And I did this for about four or five days and just boom, the weight dropped off. Now, that isn't going to necessarily happen for everybody. But for me, it's worked extremely well where I don't have to go into doing a whole HCG diet round to get the weight off is I'm able to drop weight very easily doing this diet. And for me, it's not that difficult. I have eggs in the morning for breakfast with grass-fed butter. I have a salad at lunch with greens and peppers and onions and mushrooms and some chicken and salad dressing is like lemon and olive oil and salt. And then for dinner, I'll have something like shredded cabbage and ground beef and maybe some mushrooms and onions and salt and pepper and so on and so forth. And on this, I'll even eat some seeds and nuts because I'm not doing the extreme trying to really drop a lot of weight and I'll still drop weight. So this just from my personal experience, not from any type of recommendation or scientific or anything like that, just my own personal experience, I haven't found this to be very difficult to follow at all. And for me personally, with my body, for whatever reason, it seems to work very, very well.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, that's good to know. I think you're going to change my viewpoint a bit on that. Probably something that everybody can do. It's just, uh, it's up to the individual if they're willing to put in that much discipline and follow through with it.
0: That's correct. And I am going to bring up something that we didn't have planned to discuss, but this was something I remember when I was going through chiropractic school or when I was in practice that I learned as far as dieting is probably the most important thing having to do with keeping your weight down or losing weight is shopping and how you shop and when you shop. If you go out and you're hungry and you go to the grocery store, you're going to be wandering around looking at all the stuff you shouldn't be eating. Whereas if you go after you've eaten and you have a list of things, and you know which things you're going to eat. Like when I do the ATG diet, it's a lot better. And it really starts with that because what you eat is going to be what's in your house. Or if you don't have anything in your house, you're going to be going out to get something to eat. So that's one of the points I wanted to mention that I hadn't thought of before, but it just came up, which is as far as weight loss and dieting, shopping the way that you shop is probably as important as any of this other stuff.
1: Yeah. And there's also experts that say you should try to shop the periphery more than inside the aisles because inside the aisles has more of the processed foods. If it's in your cupboard, you're going to eat it. So just don't buy the junk.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. But it is also important when you go, because I remember when I was in chiropractic college, I was reading this book called Sugar Blues, which is a great book. And I went to the grocery store one day and I found myself, I'm standing in front of all the little Debbies and all of those cupcakes and donuts. And I'm just kind of looking with these glazed eyes at what what am I going to get? I want to get one of these, maybe one of these. And I suddenly realized what was going on was my blood sugar level had dropped so much because I hadn't eaten for so long that I was craving that stuff. And I just stopped And I turned around and went over and I got some oranges or apples or something like that. And that made me realize that if you go and when you're hungry or your blood sugar level is low, you are going to buy the wrong stuff. That's right. So don't go to the store when you have the munchies. That is correct. All right. So now how does somebody know or how can they find out which of these diets they should be doing?
1: Well, Again, the anti-inflammatory diet, I hand this out to my patients all the time, whether they have inflammation or not, because uh, it's just a good starting point. It's good, healthy eating. It's simple. Dr. Berg's is, if you want to really put the time and effort into it and get a more precise diet for you as an individual then you can get his book on Amazon or anywhere. It's called The Seven Principles of Fat Burning. Mm -hmm. The anti-inflammatory diet is on anabolic.com, and it's from the Nutritional Foundation booklet. Okay. And then the ATG diet, they actually don't publish this. It's only for members. And their website is athletictruthgym.com. And so perhaps you might be able to contact them if you're, a serious athlete wanting to join, or possibly if the owner is willing to hand out that data to you. Okay. And so somebody could also come to see
0: you and find out which one might be more workable for them, but also to look for those five points at the beginning that you mentioned that would interfere with their ability to lose weight, see if any of those exist, and if they do,
1: get some help in getting those out of the way. Yeah, and I didn't even mention there's other things like hidden hypothyroidism, uh, hidden candida infections, things like that, which we can test for also that can also affect the results of a weight loss diet. Very good to know. Now, are there any
0: key points to maintaining a level of weight loss after dieting? If you get your weight down to a certain level, what are the things that need to be done to maintain that weight level?
1: Well, I actually like Dr. Berg's approach to maintaining weight improvement, and that is having a mindset that you're doing this not just for weight loss, but also for longevity and for cardiovascular health and for your immune system and your overall health. Mm -hmm. And your goal should actually be to build a reserve, kind of like a bank account with a nice reserve of money Mm -hmm. so that you can actually cheat a little bit and go off eating correctly occasionally with no major problems or that dreaded weight gain rebound. I like to, instead of using the word diet, I like to call it strategic healthy eating. Very good. Yeah. Now, are there
0: any key things people should keep in mind that they should do or that would be helpful to do to help in
1: maintaining their weight? Well, if you've got a program that you're on that's working, don't just say, hey, you know, I've I've got to where I'm at and I'm done and then go back to what you were doing before. Mm -hmm. Try to maintain and keep in as much as you can. And then if you drop things out and then you start noticing that you're gaining weight again, then you need to look back at what you were doing that was successful and put that back in.
0: Very good. And you also mentioned earlier about the importance of fat in the diet and having an adequate amount of that, which will help a person get through
1: longer periods of time without getting hungry again. That's right. And every meal, you should eat adequate amounts of protein. You know, it's interesting. The when we were young, our parents studied Adele Davis's books, mm-hmm. and there's a book called "Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit." And in chapter two, it talks about the importance of breakfast. And there was a study done by the USDA in 1949 where they had 200 volunteers and they tested all these different breakfasts. And they checked, you know, the typical breakfast, which I think was cereal with toast and uh, something else. And then they added, finally, they added in some protein. Mm -hmm. And they found that what they did is they checked their blood sugar before they ate and their blood sugar right after and then every hour for the rest of the morning. And the ones that, had breakfast, didn't have any protein in it, their blood sugar would go up and then it would start to steadily decline to an unhealthy level
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the rest of the morning. When they added the protein in, then their blood sugar rose and it stayed at a healthy level the rest of the morning. So not only is breakfast is very important because you're breaking the fast, but not only should you have protein at breakfast, but it's important to have it at every meal as far as stabilizing blood sugar and keeping your appetite solid and so forth. What was really interesting in that study is the one thing that lowered their blood sugar the most was oatmeal.
0: Now, what do you mean by it lowered their blood sugar the most?
1: What happened is is their blood sugar went up after they ate it, and then it crashed to the lowest level of all the other foods that they ate. Okay. I find that interesting because it's high in fiber, and it's actually considered a healthy food. But if you eat it without protein, it creates this effect on the body. So my suggestion is if you're going to eat oatmeal at breakfast, add some protein powder to it and take out some frozen fruit, some frozen berries in particular, and put them in the oatmeal because what it does is it melts them and it cools off the oatmeal real fast. This is what I do. Okay. And then I add a little cinnamon to it because the cinnamon will help uh, with balancing your blood sugar. It helps your body produce insulin more efficiently. And it makes a delicious, healthy breakfast and you're getting your fiber, you're getting your good carbs and you're getting your protein.
0: Interesting. Okay. So eating just oatmeal without any protein is unhealthy. Yes. That's good to know. I didn't know that. All right. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say on this topic before we end?
1: Yes. There is a wealth of knowledge on this subject, and the trick is to find out what is true and what isn't. And one thing I've learned is so called authorities almost always get it wrong. Mm -hmm. So we've had the low fat diets, the four food groups, the food pyramid, and eating more grains. And following these approaches has resulted in two thirds of U.S. citizens being overweight and over one third are now obese. Hmm. And again, we're going to have to talk about cholesterol in a future podcast because that's another health topic the authorities have deceived us on for many years too. Yes. Well, that's
0: our government at work. (laughs) Anyway, Well, thank you again for all the information. This is very helpful. I've learned a few things myself again, things that I can put into use, and I'm sure that the listeners will be able to get something from this. And if they want to follow up with you about this, we'll have the phone number of the office in the podcast notes. All right. I do have down. we'll be doing an upcoming episode on cholesterol. And then also I have down. we should do another one at some point on inflammation. Sounds like a plan. All right, great. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. Next week, we're going to chat about computer slouch and text neck. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.